0: Guess what, guys? We're not doctors. No, we are not. If you're going to be making any major medical decisions, please consult your doctor.
1: That includes diets, exercise, medications, and surgery. We love you guys. And we want you to continue to be in our OSLP family forever. So be careful and And consult consult your doctors.
0: doctors. Guys, we all need our vitamins after surgery, regardless
1: of what you think. Yes, it's a must. Yes. So why not choose the easiest and the best tasting in the community? Seriously, it's pro care, guys.
0: Pro care is so delicious. I use their chewable for over a year. That's how
1: I know. Yes. And I love their capsules. Yes. Love them. They're once a day. I take them at night. Easy peasy. And my labs are Fantastic.
0: Yeah, our labs are great. And I've actually switched to the capsules and I take those at night now. So, do yes. you guys need your iron? They have them with iron and they have them iron free. They even have calcium chews. Yes,
1: the calcium chews, mm, perfect. They have mocktail ones. So, go over to
0: procarenow.com and use our code OSLP to save some money.
1: Prepping and measuring your food post op is a beast all in itself. But Portion Perfection has actually made it super, super simple. They have bowls, plates, and even a lunch bag called the Kitten Carry where you can have all of the system ready to go.
0: Yeah, we love carrying that thing around with Mm -hmm. us. It's so much easier to pack your lunch, your snacks, especially when you're on a road trip. That thing Mm -hmm. is a lifesaver. Yes. If you want to get these things to help your journey, just go over to PortionPerfection.com and use our code 15 OSL pod. And again, that's 15 O S L pod. And you can also go over to our Amazon storefront to pick out any of those that you would like to use.
1: Are you feeling lost alone? Maybe a little unsupported in your bariatric journey? Well, if you
0: are, we have a great resource for you. It's called the tribe membership, and they have support groups every single day with experts in their field who also had bariatric surgery comes with journal proms, workouts, and recipes, you
1: name it, they got it. You'll never feel alone again once you join the tribe. Now go over to the dot and use code OSLP at checkout. Welcome back. OSLP family. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. You are listening to our Sleeve life podcast and this is Kelly. This
0: is Maha,
1: And we just want to remind you that as of right now, we are on tour.
0: We're on tour when well, this not
1: this exact moment.
0: No, we're, we're but when this, this airs when this airs we'll be, be in Brooklyn, Brooklyn actually. We will, we will be in Brooklyn. Yeah, we'll be in the Northeast corridor. We're going to be doing the actual Brooklyn show on February 25th. If you have not gotten your tickets yet, go over there and get your tickets right freaking now because it's just at com. Click the little tour button and then go ahead and pick the Brooklyn because we have Jay Arps that's coming with us and we have, as Kelly coined him, Hot Rob. Yes. So he
1: does not like it, so I'm now coining him as Jersey Rob.
0: Jersey Rob, it's there Jersey you Rob. go. Yeah. And my kid calls him Robbie, so there you okay. go. Okay, all right, yeah. that
1: sounds good. <laughs> so <laughs> so sounds he'll good. be
0: there with us, so come hang out um, and have a great old time because we're going to be... We're gonna do a live show for you, and then we get to party with you. Yeah,
1: we just get to hang out and meet meet everybody and talk and kind of just be within our bariatric family.
0: I know, I love it. Yes, I'm so stoked. Yes,
1: so yeah, go and get your ticket right ticket right now. Um, hopefully, they're not sold out. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they hopefully are, they are, but but hopefully they're not for you. Um, <laughs> and make sure that while you are on our website, to sign up for our newsletter. The newsletter um kind of gives you a gist of what we've been up to for the month. Mm-hmm. When you first sign up, also you do get a free ebook that is
0: yeah, it's twenty eight pages yeah. long. It's fun,
1: yeah, and it's got all of our favorite products in there, favorite episodes for whatever you might need. Mm-hmm. It's a Some very worksheets. cool thing, and it is free. So go over, sign up, get your free ebook. You right. Take for Brooklyn. And those
0: people all know that we're going on tour before anybody else. Yes. So that's the cool thing when and you're on who the newsletter else
1: knows first.
0: <gasps> I know who you're going to say
1: patrons. Yeah. Our patrons know first. So they get first crack at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to sign up to help support us, that is at patreoncom forward slash O S L P. And the tier you want to pick. Is our Benchy tier.
0: Yeah, at least the $7 or higher tier. Yes. Our most like top one picked is a $10 one because you also get the uh, that's videos. what she said corner and you get all the videos early. Mm-hmm. Um, You get us every month for a Patreon call. Mm-hmm. So and we sometimes bring experts on because last month we had Jamie on. Yes. Yeah.
1: So you definitely want to sign up to be a patron. And we are so stoked that we have this exclusive Facebook group. Yep. For our benchies, and they get Mm -hmm. to talk, they get to get advice, they ask all sorts of questions. Um, we celebrate their wins Mm -hmm. with them. So
0: help them through the losses. And also you don't have to be already like had surgery. We actually have people in there that are pre-op as well,
1: have been pre-op for a while, for a
0: while, because it's a good resource for them to like, know what's about to come and they can ask all the questions in that support group. So correct.
1: And then the final thing we need you to go do, and this is a free way to support us. Go over to YouTube, type in our sleep life podcast. We are the only ones. Mm and subscribe hit the little bell so you're notified when videos like this one drop 10 days after the original date because again our patrons get that all
0: yeah they get everything first man and what's cool is if you were already on our youtube you would know we have a special guest with us today we do
1: have a special guest we do so let's welcome on laura laura hello hello thank you so much for being on the show today
2: no, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited.
1: Yay. We are, There's so much stuff about your journey so far. So <laughs> that we uh, like cannot wait to hear all the things. But can we go back to when you first recognized that you had a weight issue or when you started kind of battling that?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So going really far back um, to when I was kind of like preteen. So I was... um not diagnosed with, but I would say very much on that kind of, um, you know, eating disorder anorexic path, um, where I was very concerned about my weight, severely restricting what I was eating, you know, writing down the calories in an apple and then maybe only having half of it because an apple has a lot of calories, um, was like the mindset that I was in. So from quite a young age, very disordered, um, eating really bad relationship with my body. Um, and then I, yeah, I kind of went through that and I would say semi-recovered, became a bit, you know, more interested in health as opposed to just weight and more conscious of that in my teens. Um, and then unfortunately with my, my now husband, we've been together almost 12 years, but when I was in my late teens, I fell pregnant okay. with twins that we miscarried. Oof. And so for me, yeah, so for me that was like a really big trigger and I noticed myself like not eating, um, being very, you know, overly concerned again about the calories and things. And even considering if things like flavored water, like, should I be drinking that? Because there's like five calories in this bottle. And I had a bit of a freak out um, and went the other way. So I started forcing myself to eat and eat until I was completely full and felt like I was going to throw up. Um, I was scared of going like back in the other direction. And of course, what ended up happening from that was a bit of that, you know, Binge, restrict, cycle mm. again and again. And I gained quite a lot of weight in a really short period of time. So I think it was around 30 kilos, so like 60, 65 pounds in about three months. Whoa. When, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a really big um, amount of weight mm-hmm. to gain in such a short period of time. And so that's when my, you know, I was obviously overweight and really unhealthy both in my physical being and then also mentally as well mm-hmm. um, and ever since then I just kind of fell into that which I think most of us do is that yo-yo dieting of yeah. I would lose like 10 kilos 20 pounds and then I would gain it back and every time I tried I would gain back more and then I would feel worse about myself and I just kind of got stuck in this really bad cycle that yeah I think most people can yeah. can relate Yeah. And find wow this is really going to work for me and you're all excited about it and you do it for a week or a month and then for some reason like what you've done is not realistic for you and you can't keep doing it or something happens in your life and you skip it Mm. you feel like what's the point anymore and you end up back where you started if not in a worse position Mm -hmm. and so yeah that was kind of in a nutshell I guess like what led to me being like obese and really in an unhealthy state of life I would say yeah what was your
1: top weight
2: um, my heaviest weight was that I recorded was like two hundred and two hundred and sixty eight and 268 pounds, I think. Um, but I think I probably weighed more than that at some point when I wasn't when I wasn't weighing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How tall are you? Uh I'm very tall at like five foot three just. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So yeah. like the
1: five foot three mm-hmm.
0: stature with two sixty-eight, that's and yeah. maybe yeah. more. Yeah, that's gotta be yeah. hard on your frame.
1: Yeah. For sure. Very yeah. Were you starting to feel like your hips hurting, your knees hurting? Was it hard for you to like do activities?
2: Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, I would say, yes, it was hard for me to do activities. And at the same time, no, it wasn't because I simply didn't do them. Like I didn't, you okay. know, my husband's very fit. So he would want to go for a hike and I would, there would always be some reason why I couldn't go or it wasn't going to work because I just wouldn't put myself in that position because I knew that it was difficult for me and I didn't like it. I didn't want to be the slowest one and I didn't want to hurt for days afterwards. And I went through two pregnancies at that weight. And when I had my daughter and my son. And so of course that, you know, like you're pregnant and you're gaining weight. I had um, a condition with my daughter called saying it wrong. I think polyhydraminous, which is basically where you have excess fluid. So I gained like 50 pounds when I was pregnant with her and a lot of it was fluid. So again, just so much more weight. Mm -hmm on Mm -hmm. you that you're carrying around that it does get difficult even just to do normal things you know like we had a supermarket close enough that I could have actually walked to it but I could but I couldn't
0: gotcha that makes sense so you had two children during that process and and then when you got to your level like what what made you trigger to be like okay I got my kids got my family but now I need surgery yeah like how did that happen
2: Um, So for me, it was a couple of um, a couple of big things that kind of happened. So I had my second son, uh, my second second child, my first son. And when he was about three months old, I um, noticed that I felt like he wasn't growing the way that he should have been. And my um, like, health advisor that we see after we have babies was like, Yeah, I don't think he's getting enough milk. I think you will because I was breastfeeding him. So I think your milk supply might be dropping. And I was like, No, that doesn't make any sense because I'd exclusively breastfed my daughter. I was still feeding her. She was two. I'd fed throughout my pregnancy. So I was kind of like, It doesn't really make sense. Like, why yeah. all of a sudden I'd just lose my milk supply when I'd had it through pregnancy and everything like that? So I was like something's wrong with me Mm -hmm. and I just had this kind of I don't know like this wave wash over me and I was like there's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a couple of weeks later that I noticed there was like a lump um, in my neck. So um, long story short so I went to go and get it checked out um, and they said that they thought that it could be either like nodules or a tumor or something they kind of weren't 100% 100% sure. Right. So I had a biopsy done um, to see whether it was a benign tumor. Oh, sorry, it came back saying it was a tumor. So then they right. decided to see it was a benign tumor or a cancerous tumor and the results came back inconclusive. So they basically said that they weren't really sure and that I should just get it taken out anyway. Okay. Safe. Yeah. Either that or I should just lose a bunch of weight and then that will obviously help with my thyroid. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's cool. Like I've not tried to lose a bunch of weight mm-hmm. by yeah. myself, but you can't just say to me, oh, just go lose just like go. 30 kilos. It's going to help. Yeah. And I'm thinking, cool. Can I have some? like, what am I supposed to do? I've tried this yeah, before. Yeah.
0: Like mm-hmm. we've all tried those. Like yeah. if it was easy, we would have already been smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. Like, if it was easy, I wouldn't be in this predicament. Yeah. Uh,
2: so yeah. So I was kind of like, not quite sure what it was that I wanted to, like, what I wanted to do. Um, and then So I ended up having, um, my ex sister-in-law. So, um, my mom and her dad used to be together and now they're not, but I'm still very close to, um, the family. And so we were hanging out and she said to me, my friend has just had weight loss surgery and she was telling me all about it. And she said, I'm going to go and get it too. And my first reaction was just like, first of all, I'm thinking like, why would you do that? And then think, oh, it's kind of like you're cheating, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. you're, Cheating. You should be able to do it yourself. Because I'm sitting there thinking, like, well, I should be able to do this myself. So you should be able to do it yourself too. Like, not even thinking of, yeah. Obviously, we all know, absolutely not cheating. But (laughs) I was just thinking, like, yeah. So anyway, she ended up telling me all about it, and I kind of watched what happened with her over the next few months. And she started talking to me about the mindset and things like this. And I just kind of went, okay, it sounds. More than I thought that it was, and so I started reaching, researching into it to be like, well, what is the deal? First of all, what do they even do? Why does it work? Like, how is this gonna? Because I knew mine was like mental issues, if that makes sense. I knew that it was was overeating because I was stressed and emotional. So I'm thinking, how is surgery on my stomach gonna help with my head anyway? So it's not even gonna work. And I started looking more and more into it and just thinking like, actually. This could be like the start for me. Like, I could do this and I could lose the weight. And during that first, you know, golden year, if I really focused on my stress coping mechanisms and my emotional eating and things, if I utilized that time where I was rapidly losing weight in a year or two years, I could end up having worked through those issues mentally and have had the physical change in yep. my body. And I could actually be in a position where, like, my life could be different. And yeah. I had this, like, that bubble of hope. And I was like, wow, maybe this could be for me and so yeah it was from that that I ended up going to go and get the surgery I went to the same surgeon that she used I had the sleeve um yeah and everything went really really well with that I obviously lost quite a lot of weight from the tumor perspective and there was a change so it didn't grow and it didn't change which was good um but it also didn't go away or make any difference really so you can see I ended up having it um taken out about I think eight months after I had bariatric surgery, so I had another surgery, so they took half my thyroid out um, and then they tested the tumor and it was benign. So I was Ooh. really lucky in that regard that once they took it out, it was out, it was a nice round ball, it hadn't done anything else as, you know, what they explained to me. So, yeah, that was kind of like that catalyst of me sort of thinking, I really need to do something and that was what led me into bariatric surgery and I would have never heard of it if it wasn't for her. And I wouldn't have probably considered it if I wasn't looking at that. What to me at the time felt like this kind of life or death. I was like, maybe I have a thyroid tumor and I have two mm. children and a new husband. And yeah, it was that moment where you just think I have to do something and yep. if I don't do something now. I don't like, I don't know what else I'm going to do here. It felt like that wall that I had had, I think everybody who has yeah. decided to go through bariatric surgery has hit that wall and been like, I can't, like, I don't know what else to do now. And because it is obviously a really big decision, it's not like you know, just wake up one morning and be like, you know what, I'm gonna go and have surgery and have them cut parts of me out, like you know, not even be able to eat an egg because I'm too full, like you know, changes yeah. that go with that.
1: Yeah, I I really like that you said bubble of hope. Yeah, because I think. I really relate with that because when you realize that there's something else out there that has helped um, uh, so many people and you're like, wait a minute, maybe this could work. Maybe this, this could help solve the problems. Like I, that bubble of hope is what I think got me through my six month process. Yeah. Because I was just like, okay, this is, this is going to work. This is going to work. There's, there's nothing else left. I've tried all the diets. I've done all the things. And I relate a lot with you because I did have I still do I have disordered eating problems but it started in my teens. Mm-hmm. And I I also had the binge and restrict and binge and restrict or the I'm not going to eat anything but, you know, apple cider
0: vinegar whatever
1: water <laughs> that they were you do it was like apple cider and cayenne pepper or something like that and that was supposed to like It was like lemon and something else. I think yeah. I heard of it yeah it was like this big thing and everybody was drinking and i'm like how how but i i guess if it gets rid of my fat i'll do that like (laughs) i think that's what everybody thinks if if, if it'll work if it'll get rid of the fat and i don't feel like this anymore then it's then fine i'll do it it, yeah um which is so funny because it's um, so like
0: it doesn't it's it's not logical yeah it's not
1: logical but then surgery is
0: so scary yeah and not allowed yeah yeah Well, and I think it's interesting that like, so they knew that they saw this tumor Mm -hmm. and then they're like, you need to either do, you know, surgically or you need to lose weight really fast, but they never gave you the option of weight loss surgery.
2: No, that was something that was never, never mentioned. It was like, go and lose weight yourself or get the tumor cut out. It was never, yeah, it was never even something that Mm -hmm. got offered, um, Yeah. I actually hadn't thought about that. The fact that the season that I saw that, yeah, Yeah. that they didn't say, if you want to look like, we want you to lose weight, this could
0: be an option for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those busters.
1: I think that doctors (laughs) do that a lot though. I think that the, the options are, you know, you have a B and C problems. Um, so you need to lose weight and that's where it ends. There's never a, like, here's some options you could do a glp1 medication you could do a surgery you know there's there's other ways to lose weight and i don't think doctors think that we need those options because we don't know all that's out there Mm -mm. before my before (laughs) my rheumatologist mentioned it i had no idea that like i knew mel had it right but i didn't know i was like i had that option I, I was completely unaware of that. Well, and I've noticed
0: with Dr. Patterson, what she told me is that like medicine is always about like a decade behind. Mm. So like they're always learning behind the scenes and like they're trying to keep up. So it's like they don't know. So we don't know. Yeah. So it's almost like a trickle I mean, down situation. But weight
1: loss <laughs> surgery has been around for a while. Now.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. Now, so, like now it should just be offered. I mean, even yeah. four
1: years ago, because I'm, I'm going to be going on my fourth year um, it's like, they know that it's an option. Yeah. They, they had to, I mean, if you're a good, good doctor and you're doing all of your continuing educations, Mm -hmm. like you should know that this is an option for your patients.
0: Absolutely. And
1: I think that's where it starts because people go in and they say, I'm not losing weight. I don't know what to do. I'm this weight and I'm just completely hopeless. That should be the next step. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go.
0: Yeah. Well, and we've learned that the, the medical community is kind of biased as well. They are like, they have their own stigmas.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's because as well, there's this kind of preconception about people who are obese that we're just, I don't know, these like uncaring lazy people who don't care about their health and don't, they just, yeah, like there's this mean almost like Mm -hmm. preconception. And I think even in the medical world, they have this idea, you know, like for me in my situation that they're just like, oh, she probably just needs to like walk more and eat less takeout. And it's like, it's not that simple. It's not like I'm consciously choosing to do this because I like being like this. Like I'm in a place where I need help and I've dug a hole and I don't know how to get out of it. Yeah. And the idea that they have that I could have just walked out of that clinic and lost weight by just making these super easy breezy changes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it's like, they're not considering how much mental Anguish is behind the situation that you're in. They're just seeing you and making all these judgments about you and your lifestyle and your decision without thinking about maybe it's coping mechanisms. You know, maybe this is how you handle things. Maybe there is actually like an underlying medical condition that you have as to why you're obese. Because you know, obviously, I, I'm like statistically obese. People get kind of pushed to the side, I and do. it's like, oh, it's just because you're overweight. It's just because you're overweight. Yep. And so it might actually be something that's an issue there. And I think that kind of plays into it, and is probably why it wasn't recommended to me. Yeah. Not about Absolutely.
0: So once you've like, how did you actually find the surgeon Did you just go to the one that your friend was going to, or like, how'd you your find ex- your facility? Sister-ma? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, so I, yeah, basically I just went to the same one that she went to. I okay. was very scared. I mean, again, it was a big decision for me. Like I had two small children and I was going for elective surgery. So I was kind of kind of, I was extremely nervous about it. Um and so I thought like by going to someone, so her friend had used the same surgeon and then she had used the same surgeon and I'd really read really good things. She was the only woman surgeon that I could find that did it where I lived. Um wow. and so yeah that's just why why I went with her and had a really, you know, great experience. That's okay. awesome. What was oh,
0: are you gonna ask the same thing?
1: Probably. Yeah what was your <laughs> process to get yep. to surgery? Yep. Uh, we've been doing this yeah. for too long. <laughs> <laughs> So I went, um,
2: I went private. So we um, had recently just sold our house. And so my husband said, let's just do it. Um, so I'm from New Zealand. Um, in New Zealand, we do have um, like we have uh, public health care. So I could have gone on the public health care list uh, and gone through it with that way. But Sometimes it takes two months. Sometimes it takes four years. It really depends on um, priority, how they grade you. There's lots of um, you know hoops that you need to jump through mm-hmm. to be able to to do it. So uh, yeah, we just kind of said maybe we should go private, and I was really concerned about the cost of it. Obviously, it's quite expensive to pay out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, but my husband's argument to it was that if it helped me to be you know happy and to work through you know the the coping mechanisms and issues that I had and it was going to be beneficial for my health and it was beneficial for, you know, the family. And so, like I said, you know, he wanted to go like hiking and go camping as a family and I never wanted to do these things. Mm-hmm. So he was like, even if it just changed that, that we got out and we did more things as a family and, you know, like that in itself would be really good. So yeah, I went private. So for me, the, what led up to it was basically nothing. Like I went up there, she was two hours away from us. So I went up there, I went and saw her, She obviously got all of my um, medical records, deemed that I was fit for surgery. We had a consultation and booked it in pretty much immediately. Um, Wow. Yeah. They recommended that I go and see like a psychologist, but I didn't have to. So I went and did one session just because I kind of wanted to talk through um, with somebody myself, you know, just saying like that I'd had all these kind of issues with food and I was a bit worried about, well, I cope with my emotions with food. Mm -hmm. So once that ability was taken away from me, would I feel like I didn't have any way to cope? Would I, you know, turn to something else that would maybe be more detrimental? Would I, I've had panic attacks in the past. So I was imagining like having a panic attack because I can't stress eat because my stomach's too mm-hmm. small. So I wanted to talk to someone. So I voluntarily went and did that, but it was just one session, but there was nothing that I needed needed to do to have the surgery. And it was booked for two weeks later. I think it was pretty, it
1: was, wow. yeah. It's it it impressive. Pretty, pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. And what is life? been like since surgery incredible (laughs) yeah I it was
2: one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life like I will put it up there with like marrying my husband and having my children like it's completely 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 changed my life um yeah like the whole direction of what we what I do it changed my work what I do for a job so I went into a different career it's changed the way I am and the type of mom that i am it's changed me as a wife it's changed me as a person it's changed the way we live our life um, and what decisions we decided to do with that so pretty much every single area of my life changed for the better after surgery um and there's a lot of work like it wasn't just the bariatric surgery that went into that like you know i studied a lot of different things and read a lot of different books and yep. put a lot of time and effort into it but those were just choices that i made like i'm not magical unicorn you know I just do I just did the things um and that's why I'm such a fan I guess of bariatric surgery because I feel like for a lot of people it's just it's step one everything else yeah. after that is just as important but when you're so caught up um like I was in yeah, that's that cycle of you just you can't get out of it and you need something big to kind of wrench you away from that. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, it kind of clears a few things and it allows you to move forward from a different place, whereas perhaps you couldn't have moved forward in that way from where you were before surgery. Mm-hmm. I that's
1: like a, that. Yeah,
0: because like that's it's such a big deal. Like it does change everything. It as, does. as much as we say, like, we're the same, we're not the same.
1: Well, I, I mean, and I at think at the core, I think we're the same. Yeah. But it's the decisions that you make, and the like. You have more of a choice. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Over,
1: over things versus mm-hmm. before, your choices were okay. Do I want to be in pain? No. So I'm just gonna stay home.
0: Yeah. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yep.
1: Um. So how did your disordered eating change. Yeah. Did you because see, Because any... I want to know what your coping is. Cause that was one thing you were very scared about was the coping after. So how, what did you use to cope with instead of food?
2: So I just tried a bunch of different stuff. Um, it was, I almost want to say like, my husband would probably say it was a messy six months, um, where I was just more, I, yeah. More emotional, more, everything was more, I was, when I was happy, I was happier. When I was sad, I was sadder. When I was angry, I was angry and it was like, I'd almost kind of kept my emotions at bay with food. Oh, yeah. And so the food wasn't there. Like, you know, so say I was starting to feel a bit angry. I'd just go and eat something or drink something. And that would kind of like soothe me. Whereas because I didn't have that option. I mean, I could go and do that, but it didn't work because to begin with, you could only have a tiny bit. And I was worried about like, ruining my sleep yep. so I didn't want to do that um, and so those emotions kind of boiled over so I think I was, it was quite heightened for a period of time it's definitely what I experienced and so I tried a lot of different things because I wasn't sure what was going to work so of course you know I sat on my computer on Google and was like different ways to reduce stress like, <laughs> what do you, when you're feeling angry yeah um, and just I tried a bunch of different things so I tried yoga and meditation I did breathing techniques. I tried. Journaling, um, like power poses. I tried like silence. I'm trying to think of all the different things that I would do, like playing, you know, like a favorite song that I loved, going for a walk. Um, I focused on trying to like getting to the source of it. So being like, okay, if what is so almost like in two parts. So saying, okay, if this situation is making me stressful, making me feel stressed and it's a stressful situation. I do need to learn how to cope with my stress in a way that's not food. So that's like part, mm-hmm. that's technically part two. Um, but the first thing I was looking at, but then part one was like, well, what is the stressful situation? Like, is there anything I could actually do before the stressful situation so I don't end up in the stressful
0: situation? Yeah, like how do you prevent it? Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Yeah, it's- kind of going backwards and being like, okay, you know, so I, like I said, I was a mom of two small kids and I'd feel mornings for me are really stressed, but I'm not a morning person. So my kids are up, used to be up like five o'clock in the morning. So I would almost wake up in this like stressed state and just want to something so of course I need to deal with that stress and manage that differently but I was like is there anything that I could do that would make my mornings less stressful so I started planning the night before so I started like pre-making breakfast so it was easy to grab I'd have my kids clothes ready I'd have my clothes ready I'd have my shower in the evening instead of in the morning just little random things that meant that when I woke up in the morning I still felt a bit stressed and I still need to manage my stress but I'd already done things to make it easier I wasn't searching for the had clothes I wasn't trying to think what am I gonna make for breakfast do we even have any eggs like everything was already planned so I could just kind of go through the motions so my stress level was then decreased and I didn't have to manage as much stress because I'd reduced it so then it was easy to manage the stress in different ways because I hadn't got to that highly stressed point where I wanted to binge eat if that makes sense
0: no it does because like it's like you dissected your day or like your situation and like mm-hmm. it's like you deconstructed cool. it to see like what can I do to really prevent this from happening like I always say like you're looking out for future you yeah so like past you is happy with, with, with future you
1: future you is happy,
0: happy with, with past. Pre- past yeah there, yeah.
1: Go. there we go Other the words around. will get it out
0: yeah. but it's true though because like we even say like put out your clothes the night before Yeah, like if you're going for to the workouts gym,
1: like that's always a very stressful yeah. like you have you're most of the time you're like getting right up and you're just getting dressed and like you're mm-hmm. just wanting to get out the door because you want to get to the gym so like putting your clothes out the night before you already know what you're wearing yep you can take your time like washing your face brushing your teeth doing all the the basic things and then get dressed.
0: And- yeah. Cause I'm a firm believer that the morning set the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like in the stress that you're talking about, like, I, it drives me bonkers when it's that stressful in the morning. Like it throws me off. I'm anxious all day. Like I don't have a headache, but it's almost like I have a headache, like a dullness. I'm just like, yeah. and if I could just wake up smoother, then my day goes a lot, lot better. But
1: if you think about it, like just a few months ago, you or it might be closer to six months now, but you were starting to wake up earlier.
0: Yeah. It's slowly making yourself. She
1: slowly set this routine where every few months she would get up like 10 minutes earlier. Yep. And like slowly get into it. So now you're up at a reasonable time Mm -hmm. and you're able to drink your tea and kind of chill out before the day starts. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's very important because I noticed my whole mood changes. So like now Mm -hmm. I'm able to get up around 7 a.m. without like, you know, everybody talking to me and. Asking me a thousand questions yes. and I'm like, no, I just, I need to wake up guys. Hold on. Well, and
1: that's why I set my alarm for 6am every mm-hmm. single day during the week. I get up, mm-hmm. I get my coffee, everything's quiet. I have an hour of quiet before mm-hmm. the girls get up and then, then teenage madness. Yeah. Seems. But until that time I, I get to slowly wake up. I get to play on my phone, watch a TV show for an hour, do whatever I need and then it's less like, ah, mm-hmm. every morning. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And then like changing the routine, like with the whole, like taking the shower at nighttime. Mm. So listeners, I know like if you're a dedicated, like in the morning person, that is me. Um, it feels really foreign. Like I started doing nighttime showers too. Like I'll do that every once in a while just so that way, like. I have a house full of people right now, so yeah. that way I'm not in their their way to get get ready to go to school mm. or work or whatever the deal is. And it feels odd at first. You're like, should I be taking a shower at seven o'clock at night? This is fucking weird. But then you're like, it's fine. Like this is just it's your new normal. Like mm-hmm. you can do whatever the hell you want. You don't always have to do it at nighttime or always at nighttime. Yeah, just
1: switch up that. You schedule just gotta a figure bit. it
0: out what actually works for your schedule, not for everybody yeah. else's schedule. Mm-hmm. Do it for you.
1: Yeah.
2: With nighttime showering as well, one thing um, like off on a tangent that I actually really like about it is um, I do this nighttime shower like visualization um, when I'm feeling really stressed. So basically when you stand in the shower and you close your eyes and you envision that the water coming down is like, you can do whatever you want. Like it's cleansing water or it's white light or however it like feels good for you. And you imagine that it's washing all of the day off you. So yes. everybody, everybody's negativity, other people's stress like your stress your anxieties any sort of heightened emotions that you don't like and you visualize it as like whatever color like personally, I don't like the color red. So I imagine it as red. So in my head, I'm like seeing water come down on me. And I'm imagining this red, like washing off my body. And I see it going down the drain and you keep doing the visualization until you visualize that all of the color has been washed off you and down the drain. And then you open your eyes. And I really like it because I feel like it just cleanses the day off me. And then I go to bed feeling like Yeah, like I have cleaned everything off. And so when you wake up and you feel like yesterday is gone, it's washed down the drain. None of this is going to impact my quality of sleep. It's not going to impact me the following day because it's just not like on me Mm -hmm. anymore. And I found that as well really helped with my mornings to wake up and feel like today is a new day and it's a fresh start and I don't need to think about yesterday and drag all those emotions with me. And it took a while of practicing it to feel like it actually does something but now that I've been doing it for a really long time it feels really easy to just jump in the shower and be like oh I'm just gonna wash the day off me and wake up in the morning being like yeah that was yesterday's problem like I'm not gonna let it affect me today
0: I love it yeah that's
1: a really good visual you've heard
0: me say with the makeup and doing like the nightly thing Mm -hmm. where I'm like I feel like I'm washing the day away Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm just like let's get this all off let's clean up let's just Mm -hmm. get ready for bed like we need to wash all the drama and everything off my fucking face today (laughs) So now we can just hop in the shower.
1: Yes, yes, because yes. I like that. I I'm like a, the visualization. Yeah, I'm a very
0: guy. visual person, so yeah. like I do imagine things all the time. Yeah. And, so well,
1: I think that's why we're creative. Yeah, because when you're creative of a creative mindset, you st- you start to picture things. Yeah,
0: you start seeing it. You're yeah. like, ah, yes. And, and that's why I
1: think creative people also have more anxiety,
0: probably because you're
1: envisioning more things. You're envisioning what could happen. And yeah, it's...
0: You can go down a rabbit hole. That's for sure. You can. I've done it. I've done it
1: for hours. It's Yeah. Anyway. One of my
2: quotes around like, I've got 99 problems and 98 of them are made up situations in my
0: head. Yes.
1: Yes. That is totally Oh me. my God.
0: If we can get the overthinking to stop.
1: Yeah.
0: That would be awesome. Yes. But I don't think be. that'll ever happen.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, there's pills for everything. So there might be something out there to make you stop thinking.
0: But that's the thing is like, I don't want to take something to stop thinking. I just want it to naturally happen. And that's just not going to. I
1: think that's where mindset and meditation Mm -hmm. and doing visualizations come in. Yeah. Because it, it brings you. And that's what yoga did for me for a long time. It was my moment during the day that I didn't have to talk to anybody. I didn't have to do anything. I just focused on the exercises and my breathing. That was it. I have a question. Yes.
0: When are you going to start
1: that again? I don't know. Me and Jamie are working on it. (laughs) Okay. Is that on the books? Yeah. I sit on my yoga mat and journal. Oh, no. That's a good start. Yeah. That is my job right now. I like it. We're not focusing on that.
0: No, that's great, though. Like, the fact that you're journaling on the yoga mat. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. I haven't done it in a while.
0: She ain't (laughs) comfortable. Yeah, right?
1: Well, I was like, I keep looking at it. It's in the corner of my bedroom. And she's like, okay, so I want you to take it out and just sit on it. (laughs) I'm like, and I love what? her. I love. She's her. like journal, and I'm like, okay, Thank JB, you. whatever you say. I'm sitting on my mat, and I'm journaling. Like, so
0: take a picture.
1: Yes. <laughs> so you lost over you lost hundred percent of your excess weight.
0: Yes,
1: it is unheard yeah. of. Which that is not normal.
0: Yeah, tell us how that happened.
1: I yeah, I don't think I do. <laughs>
2: I don't think I did anything like miraculous. I think like studying nutrition, um, like I did and really learning about it, that made it easy. I'm also an overachiever. So (laughs) I wanted to, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it like perfectly, Um, which is a mindset that I've worked to get away from because while it can be helpful, it's not really beneficial overall. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I, it was, I don't want to say it was, easy but I feel yeah I feel like and it was the last bit of weight was easier for me than the beginning bit um just I found like because I'd already gotten in into these habits and routines and I understood my metabolism and my nutrition and what I needed to do so I was like right just do that make these adjustments do this and I felt knowledgeable and educated about it so it felt easy to lose that last bit mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah I was 100% of my excess body weight and I lost over
0: 50% of my total body weight. Wow. wow. That's, impressive. that's
1: impressive. Very like, impressive.
0: So you're a nutritionist or you just have a certificate in nutrition or how does, yeah, so I'm a nutritionist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Nutritionist, um, so that's what I
2: went and studied just after, um, I had surgery. Cause I, again, I kind of knew that the surgery was going to make me lose weight. Like how could it not? My stomach is 20% the size of what it used to be. Of course that I'm going to lose weight, mm-hmm. but like, what does that do to my metabolism? I still like was going to mentally be coping like, you know, as we kind of talked about, but then also nutritionally, I was like, well, I don't really understand nutrition, like protein, carbohydrates, fats, like what's the deal? How much of them do I need? Is one better than the other? You know, is this something that I should be concerned about? You know, what happens yeah. if I stop weight? And so I just kind of thought, okay, well, Um, if I become educated about it and I understand it, then I can apply it to myself. So when I first actually started it, it wasn't with the goal to do it as a job. I was just like, I need to know all of these things to be as successful as possible. So I'm going to go and become qualified in it because then I'll have the best knowledge. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's something that really helped me as well as I understood, you know, like weight fluctuations is something that you know, I used to freak out about, everybody freaks out about, especially if you're like, you know, two months out from surgery and your weight move and you're like, I've broken it. I've done something wrong. This is never going to work for me. You get really caught up in your head. Mm -hmm. Whereas at that point I was like, okay, let's go through like the weight fluctuation factors. What could be going on here? And tried to take like a, Outside of my body approach to it. So, like, look at me on paper and be like, right, this is this and this is that. Understand why it's happening. Oh, I had like more carbohydrates yesterday. So, maybe I'm retaining some water. Like, oh, it's my period. So, of course, my mm-hmm. weight's going to go up. And because I knew these things, I feel like I coped with them better. And so then I didn't ever really get stuck in a really big stall because I like, I knew why I'd stalled and I just kept ticking on with what I was doing rather than letting the stall like have me freak out and then end up doing something that prolonged the process. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I like how you're, you take every aspect of it and make it logical. Yes. Like you break it down and you're like, okay, this is what it is. Okay. It's going to be here, here and here. This Mm -hmm. is what I need to do to fix this. I love how logical it is because I was not logical. No, I don't think you were. You were no. kind of logical. Uh, logical. Yeah, she was logical. I am just logical. I was and I think a lot of people aren't logical. Yeah, they're just they're doing it because they the doctor told them to do it, but they're not understanding why. Why are yeah. we doing these things? And what do I do? Because even like your nervousness before the surgery, you know, your first thought is I don't want to deal like I don't want to have to try to cope with food after like I want to deal with this and try to figure out where my stress stressors are yeah and I think that's very important because I never even that didn't even pop into my head
0: yeah like did you do any therapy though like did you try to do any like actual like after afterwards after surgery like I know you googled a bunch of stuff to do but did you get a professional to help too
2: no so I didn't go and work with anybody I just did a lot of self-development work so I took like Free courses on things. I read a lot of, you know, like cognitive behavioral therapy books. Um, I went to university way back when to study psychology, which I didn't follow through with, but I still had a bunch of like resources and books. Mm-hmm. So I went and grabbed those from my mom's house and nice. I went through and read those. So I just did a lot of like teaching myself, trying to understand things, reading a whole bunch of different stuff to come up with you know what I thought would work for me and that's why before you know I said I just trialed a bunch of different things Mm -hmm. because everybody is different and what worked for me might not work for somebody else and Mm -hmm. somebody else might say oh I did this and it helped me and I'm thinking how could that possibly help you and that would never help me and Mm -hmm. I think that's something that's quite you know important to remember throughout the process as well is that like just because someone else says oh I did it like this and it worked for me like don't you know, don't grab hold of that and be like, right, that's exactly what I need to do. And if I just do that, then I'm going to have the same results because it might not work. Might, you might not enjoy it. It might not be realistic for you. Like there's so many different variables
0: there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I
0: think this process, you need to have an open mind. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to like take in other people's ideas and like But no, that. That's not the end. Yeah, it's, like, not, it's not Bible is what like yeah. what we call it. Like it's not that. It's just like these are all the different things you can do. And then as long as you're open minded to it, you can start trying the little things and figure out what Mm -hmm. actually works for you. Because a lot of us, I know, at least for me, I was scared to try new stuff. I thought because I was going to fail. So I was like, I'll fail at this because I'm not good at this. So why would I even try? Yeah. And then it just spirals down to where like, well, if I would have done actually even a little bit of the first thing, then I could be a little bit (laughs) 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 further now instead of working backwards. So and
1: most of the things are scary until you do it. And then it's like no big deal. Yep like you I we build it up in our head to be scarier than it is
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when you just focus and just do it half the time it's like oh okay, yeah that was that was no big deal right like I had to call the, the Alaska Airlines for the, like the last two weeks mm-hmm. and I literally it was like oh it's gonna take so long oh I don't want to and then I finally called yesterday because I had like an hour it took me like 10 minutes yeah it was so quick so easy the guy was so nice and he he swatched swapped our flights and everything for no big deal and I was like oh I probably should have done that two weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> then I wouldn't have been stressing about it for two for weeks. two weeks yeah. that's the
0: deal sometimes yeah. you have to rip off that band-aid and just do it yeah and then you feel really good when it's done too yeah yeah
1: so as yeah. far so I know you got pregnant post-op yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. How'd you handle yeah. that? Yeah. So, um, I feel like
2: I, I wasn't super concerned about it, to be honest. Like, I guess I had the view that I'd already had two kids. So I figured that like getting pregnant would be fine. My pregnancy would be fine. Everything would be fine in that regard. So it wasn't, so I didn't have any concerns there. So I could just focus on my other worries Yeah. Um, with that. But yeah, I wasn't, I don't know. I think again, it just comes down to that kind of like, education level and how I felt very confident that I would be continue on my normal lifestyle. When I was pregnant, I didn't use it as a justification to like, eat differently or do anything different other than I had a few complications towards the end of my pregnancy, which were not um, like weight loss surgery related. Uh, So there was that, but I just did like, yeah, I just did my normal stuff. And then I just knew, okay, well, when I've had my baby and I want to lose the baby weight that I have gained, I know how to do that. Like I know how to get into a calorie deficit. I know how to do this. I know what it is that I need to do, but that was obviously just because of the groundwork, before that yeah um and yeah i know i think i'm quite a i never used to be um but since i had surgery and kind of made all these lifestyle changes i'm much more of like an easy breezy person so I was kind of just like oh well you know like when i'm pregnant i'll just keep my normal routines and' I'll gain the weight that I need to gain because if I'm not doing anything drastically different, then I'm not going to, doesn't make sense that I'd gain like unnecessary amounts of weight. And then when she's here and I'm feeling better, I'll just increase my step count and I'll get back into, you know, any routines that I'd kind of dropped off having a newborn, obviously you're exhausted. So I wasn't, you know, doing as much activity as I normally was. So just going back into it slowly, that understanding, um, You mentioned before about doing like small changes to how you would wake up in the morning, waking Mm -hmm. up just a little bit earlier. And I totally believe that making small changes over a long period of time leads to a big change that you can actually keep going with. Mm -hmm. So, again, that thought that like, well, after surgery, I may, after surgery, after pregnancy, I may have gained some weight, but if I get back into the habits that I lost, if I lost any, but trying to keep going, um, that it would just be an easy, an easy go of it, which yeah. in this ways it has been. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's and awesome. How
1: far post-op were you when you got pregnant? Uh,
2: three, just over three years. So I got okay. pregnant. Yes. And so I'm just trying to think. Yeah. So last not November, just one, the one before it would have been three years. And then I got pregnant the month after that. So yeah, three years post-op when I got pregnant.
1: Okay. So you waited until you had a very solid groundwork. Of your routine and your you being a bariatric patient before jumping not jumping but you know yeah having (laughs) having having another kid
0: yeah 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 like
2: it wasn't intentional with um the surgery side of things it was because we started traveling and we weren't even sure if we were gonna like have a third baby or not um but I definitely think that being I guess, solid with everything was really helpful. Like you said, I already had my, like my routines, my eating habits, everything like that. I just kept normal throughout pregnancy as much as I possibly could. So it wasn't like I was trying to adapt to post-surgery life while being pregnant and juggling things at once. It was like one kind of stage at a time. And I think that was definitely very helpful as to why I found pregnancy so easy and why it's been easy for me now post-pregnancy getting into things as well as actual pregnancy itself you know like I had two pretty easy pregnancies the first time so I was lucky that I had an easy pregnancy the third time as well um I didn't experience morning like I've never had morning sickness um so I think that would have played a part in it if I had off. because I don't know about you guys but I know for me like since surgery throwing up is like the worst. oh I hate you know, it I hate it yeah. I feel like
1: everything's stuck right Oh, it's you just know, right so in I your chest, an,
2: like morning sickness with that. And I never experienced that. And in mm-hmm. some ways I kind of wish that I did just to know, like, you know, was it really bad or <laughs> yeah.
0: So. Well, what did you do about cravings? Because I know, cause you know, I do have a son and I remember being pregnant and having these ridiculous cravings. Like, did you have any of those or did you overindulge? Was it harder to, cause like, how does that even work with like your tummy, your tummy's smaller and then you're pregnant but your think your baby wants more food than your stomach can handle. So how does that.
2: So something that I've been, I was looking into it when I was pregnant and it's really hard to find any actual like evidence for it or like studies that they've done, but when you're pregnant, so you have the um, hormone in your system called relaxin that helps to like relax all your ligaments and everything, so that you can, um, you know, grow a baby and everything can move around. So from what I can understand with it is that that actually helps your stomach to stretch as well. So the relaxin wow. in your system makes your stomach more stretchy than it would normally be, and it makes logical sense to mm-hmm. me that like that would happen. And also, it made sense to me from what I was experiencing. So I knew how much food I could have like I knew if I was going to make a sandwich how much of it I could eat or if I was going to have a certain size bit of food I know how much I can eat in general and we all know that sometimes you can have more and sometimes you can have less but I yep. would never be up more than like this sometimes when I was pregnant I would have a bite and I'd be like that's it I'm done like I wasn't feeling sick just like I felt full after one like actually full up whereas other times I felt like I could eat double what I would normally be able to eat and still kind of be sitting there like yeah maybe I'm just going to go and like grab something from the fridge. Um, Cause I was always, yeah, just always, always hungry. And I'm a firm believer in like listening to your body and you have to be able to like listen to your body with what your body needs, obviously within reason. So like when I was craving something, I would just have it. I wouldn't be like, no, I can't have this. Like for me, I don't have any, no foods are out of bounds. Like surgery wise, my surgeon never said, you can't have this. You can't have that. I was told I could eat anything and everything that i wanted to i've not had any reactions to anything or something that makes me feel yuck so if i felt like having a piece of cake, I would just have a piece of cake rather than be like, oh, should I have the cake? Should I not? Like I knew I could have it. I just need to be smart about it. So maybe, you know, I don't cook with olive oil for dinner that night because that's going to reduce some calories and I have them in the cake instead. You know, maybe I have a small piece today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day, but I plan for that rather than having a massive piece of cake now thinking like, well, I have to eat this big piece of cake now because I can't have any for the next few days. Mm-hmm. I just kind of handled my pregnancy cravings the same way that I used that I've been handling any cravings. Like if I want something, I eat it. I'm just smart about it. And because I understand calories and nutrition and I know how much my body needs, I know what adjustments to make in other areas so that I'm not over consuming calories in such a way that I'm gonna put weight back on. Oh, I love it. You know what
1: I I really as you were talking, I was recognizing something is that you had basically no trust within yourself before surgery. You didn't trust yourself around food. You didn't trust yourself about your coping mechanisms, nothing. And you've really flipped it to now you have the ultimate trust with yourself. Yeah, she's
0: like confident as Fuck. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like you, like as you're talking, like I'm just seeing you have so much trust with yourself of like, yeah, no foods off limits because I don't want to go through that restrict binge, restrict binge. And so I'm going to have this, but then I'm going to adjust the rest of my schedule because I trust that I'm doing the right thing. And I I absolutely love that. I, I am constantly working on building trust within myself. Yeah. So to see it go from one extreme of no trust at all to now having the ultimate trust with yourself is just very... I I admire that.
0: It's very inspiring. It's our audience can really see that it can be done and you Mm -hmm. can do it even when you feel like you can't trust Mm -hmm. yourself at all. Yeah. Because a lot of us don't trust ourselves going into Mm -hmm. this. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Like there's a lot of reasons why we're here. And that's definitely one of them. Yes. Like, and, and for you, like how you weren't sure about like what to do with the coping stuff, because what you were worried about is what I experienced of like, I didn't know that I wasn't coping with my emotions correctly. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I was a food addict. So like I'm literally anytime I'd be upset or angry or sad, it's food. Yep. This is just, and but I wasn't doing it where I would have these nights of binging. So I just assumed like, Oh, this is how everybody eats. Yeah. And it's not how everybody. No, nope.
1: No. And we all cope with food in different ways. Yes. So like for me, it was, I eat a large quantity And I either purge or then I restrict for the next few days. Yeah. That was how I coped. And I could give myself control because I'm saying, okay, I'm choosing to binge, purge, or restrict. Yeah. I'm choosing these three things. Oh, that's a control thing, huh? It is a control thing. Yeah. Okay. So when you feel out of control, that's a way that you can bring control back in Mm -hmm. is I'm controlling these aspects. Like when I was bedridden. Yeah. I control, I had no control over my body, but I could control the massive amounts of ice cream I was going to eat at night. Yep. Yep. Massive, massive amounts. Um, But I coped like that. Your food coping looks completely different. It does. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard for people to realize that it can be a lot of different ways. Yeah, It could be that you go through the drive-through of fast food and you get, five burgers you eat them all in your car throw it away (laughs) i love that you just
2: said that that is that was literally me the drive-through going through the drive-through getting you know way more than i needed eating it by myself on the way home Mm -hmm. sitting in the car and crying in the driveway and then pulling myself together and going inside the house yep and pretending like everything's fine yep everything's good Yeah, everything is fine. And the thing with it is, though, is um like w- this is what I understood when I studied nutrition as well, is how food actually does calm you. So like you said, it might be in different ways. Like I might be going through the drive-thru, you're eating the ice cream, someone else is coping with it in different ways. But at the same time, you're all achieving the same goal mm-hmm. because when you yeah. eat, it regulates your nervous system. So are you guys familiar with like your sympathetic and your parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, when you are in that fight or flight mode, and your body is like it's panic, it thinks there is danger, and your brain is like, "Well, we're not really in danger. I need to calm you down." The easiest and quickest way to do that is to eat something. Because the way I like to think about it is, if you go back into caveman days or whatever you believe, if I'm running away from a man-eating bear, I am not going to stop and pick berries and have a little snack. Like (laughs) I know. So as soon as I eat something, my body's like, Oh, I'm safe. Because you wouldn't be doing this if you were in an unsafe situation. So when you're feeling stressed out, you turn towards food because without even consciously realizing it, your brain is like, I need to calm down. We need to calm down. We need to calm down, eat something. Your body immediately goes. Mm -hmm. And you relax and you're like, okay, I feel safe. I feel calm now. So regardless of how you're going about the eating, everyone's looking for that same like calms down regulates you you know brings you out of that you know fight or flight mode
0: yeah yeah because like i know i've i've i'm when you're talking i was like picturing my old mel doing that mm-hmm. like where like i would like fight with my mom and then once i'd go home i'd grab the food that i wanted and then i would feel relaxed yeah i'd be like oh
1: finally yep
0: so much better now yeah and <laughs>
1: now
2: you're like i'm safe now i can relax now i can remember doing that and i haven't even eaten it yet i've just gone and got it and the fact that i'm like holding it and i can eat it if i want to i can immediately feel like everything just kind of decreases yeah
0: yeah
1: i can totally relate well
0: and i get that feeling just from buying the item and just having it in the house somewhere Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about that several mm-hmm. times. Like yep. as long as I have it somewhere and know that I could have it later, mm-hmm. I feel very good. Yes. <laughs> I feel very
1: like, And that's relaxed. where I think the routines that you build after surgery comes so, so, it's so important. Yeah. Because if you're using yoga and every time you get into that fight or flight mode and you just immediately say, okay, I'm going to do 30 minutes of yoga every time that I get into that mode. Or whatever it is, you know. For me, it's like sitting down with my coffee and journaling. Like I feel safe. I feel like I have control. I, I'm. It's a very relaxed state. for Yeah. Me. And yeah. instead of going to food, now that is what I'm going to. Yeah. So when it's I a win, man, I got into an argument. We got into an argument, mm-hmm. and I immediately went home and didn't even go to the kitchen. I literally went home. Grabbed my journal, made some tea, and I sat there and I wrote about it. There you go. Because it was the only thing. Like, I was like, you can't just like, food's not going to do anything. Like, the only way to get this out is to write it down. Yep. And I wrote it down. Like, physically and I made, get it out. Yeah. And then I can see it. I know that it's done. I know that I've written about it. And I don't have these feelings like stuffed inside of me anymore
0: it is interesting what journaling does and you can tell us laura this happens to you too when you journal um is like i'll get all of it out on paper and then one i feel more relaxed Mm -hmm. and then my brain stops thinking about it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it's weird i was like i didn't think that would happen i just thought like i would still think about it and obsess over it and then no the obsession goes away yeah like it's interesting We
2: we refer to it as the brain dump so it's basically like a dumping ground What's in your brain, and once you take it out, it's out, and then yeah, I think a lot of times as well, what's going on in your head is you're rationalizing things or you're trying to like make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And when we keep it inside our heads, we often can't make sense of it. Whereas when we verbalize it, or if we write it down as it's coming out of us, it clicks and we understand it more, or we realize we don't care about it, or we realize something that makes us feel like, okay, I've accepted this and I've acknowledged it now. And it doesn't need to be constantly wearing around my brain. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My therapist actually told me that what? Back, back, like my first appointment with him. He, when he wanted me to start journaling, he said, this is the point where you're going to start doing your brain dump. Mm. This is where you're going to start writing these things down and they don't even have to make sense. Nope. As long as you are getting them down on the paper You're not going to think about them
0: Well, at the award show. Like so the award show night happened. Then the next day um, after the Benchies, I took a bath. Right. Yeah. And I was journaling in the bath. And what was happening, I had like two pages going. One was like just brain dump crap. But once it was out, I was able to flip over and start writing like um, comedy bits. But then as I'd write comedy bits, all of a sudden I'd flash back and start writing back on the other mm-hmm. stuff. So I was like going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then after the bathroom was over, I felt great. I was yeah. like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like I didn't know that my brain was going to go bloop, 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 bloop all over the place You're, and it's okay to do that it like, totally it's totally okay it's your fucking journal so yeah. whatever you want it to look like just let it be because I know like some of us are like it needs to look perfect I gotta have the date oh, mine da-da-da-da. does not have
1: anything and it's I don't either I just start going yeah mine probably don't even make sense if I went back and read yeah. it
0: well mine make me cry when I look back and read them so I just don't Okay. I mean, I do, because my therapist has made me and it's like it's just eye opening because you're like, I really feel this way. Yeah, because like some mm-hmm. of the things that come out, I didn't realize I felt that way until like I wrote it down on paper a couple of times. <laughs> so
1: yeah. I was like, oh, I really do care. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I've done a long, not nice po- uh, journaling sessions about myself. And back when I first started and I went actually looked at it the other day and I was like, wow. That yeah. is not where my mindset is now. So. And it's,
0: it's cool to look back on. So those that aren't journaling, like you hear us all the time talking about it. And this is why is because the brain dump happens. You feel relief. And then also you can look back and see how far you've come.
1: Yes. And that's exactly what happened to me is yeah. I look back and I was like, wow. I was not nice to myself, but I'm starting. Yeah, I, I'm getting there. It's it's taking a while, but I'm getting there. Yeah,
0: of course. So, and I
1: think it's good. I think it's, it's healthy. Even if you sit down like once every couple of weeks or even once a month and you're using that as a brain dump once a month, I think it's so beneficial. It is. So,
0: yeah. Well, and I know that you're a, a coach for fitness, too, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah
2: yeah so I do a little bit of everything I think you need the well it's because you can't just look at bariatric surgery as like one thing you know like it it changes your nutrition because you're generally going to be eating like you know more protein and less refined carbohydrates and you're focusing on hydration and things but then you also need to look at your fitness like what are you doing to keep active because that's an important part of you know like bone density and muscle mass and things like that, what are you doing that actually works for you, that you enjoy, that you can keep doing? Because there's no point doing something that you hate or doing something that you have to force yourself to do because you'll never be consistent with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the mindset side of things as well. So I work on, yeah, all three areas because I think you need to focus on all three to have that really good success. And I think that's why I've been so successful with losing the weight and keeping it off and finding it I don't want to say, I wouldn't say easy, but I guess in some ways easy Mm -hmm. is because I just focused on one area. I've been like, okay, I need to work on this and this and this, and I need to tie them all together. And I need to do it slowly. And I need to do it in a way that I actually enjoy. And I don't like this. So I'm not going to do it, even though everyone else says it's great. Or, you know, mainstream media diet culture says that like, this is the perfect diet, but I don't enjoy that. So I'm not going to do that. So I've really honed into what I like and what works for me as an individual rather than what you kind of think that maybe you should be doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think diet culture has always told us and shown us that we need to do it this way. And if yes. this doesn't work, you're not going to lose weight. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm going back to a moment where my little sister was doing a fitness competition. Oh yeah. And I was, she, she lost a she looks I mean, great, small, man. But she was very like it was unhealthy. She
0: was so muscular. She, she had like
1: a three percent body fat. Like it was insane. Yeah. But I was like, Hey, what are you eating? And she was like, Oh, I eat, you know, quinoa and sweet potato and and chicken. And I was like, bur- Oh, you should help and me. I was like, Oh, if you can m- help me cook that, then I'm gonna lose weight too. So she came over, showed me how to cook everything. We portioned it all out. I ate two bites and I was like, I hate this. I hate this. Like I would much rather never eat again than eat that again. Like, It was so gross. And I but I was like, but I have to eat this because I'm not going to lose weight if I don't. And that's just so purely like not even correct. It's so incorrect in my that thought process. But I think that that's where it goes on to diet culture. Diet culture, yeah. culture shows you, you have to do A, B, and C, or you won't lose yeah. weight. And that's yeah. not true. Like, no. well,
2: that's and- the education piece that I think you need is, you know, like actually understanding, like when people say like, with what you were saying, like, oh, I have to eat like the sweet potato and the quinoa and stuff. Mm. No, you, you don't have to eat those foods because it's not about the food. It's mm. about the, the calories in the food. That's what's going to mean that you lose weight or not. So you could just eat you could literally have like chocolate cake for breakfast if you wanted to every day and still lose weight. If you're in your calories, like there's a big separation. Like one thing that I'm very vocal about is the separation between like weight loss and nutrients and like health. They're two very different things Mm -hmm. because you can eat a very healthy diet and by healthy, you're having, you know, like all of your vitamins and minerals and fats and you're eating nuts and avocados and fruits and vegetables and you're getting a lot of great nutrients But you're gaining weight because you're in a calorie surplus, just like you could eat a diet where you only eat takeout and cake and chocolate and coffee and everything like that. And you're losing weight because you're in a calorie deficit. So like losing weight doesn't mean you're being healthy and being Mm -hmm. healthy doesn't mean you're going to lose weight. That uh, diet culture kind of paired those two things together and says like that they're that they're one and they're not. And I think separating them and looking at them as two individual things really helps you to know what do I need to do to lose weight and what do I need to lose to do to be health conscious. Mm-hmm. And then figuring out each one of those what works for you and then pairing them together you
0: yeah i that is what we need to start doing with our mindset around it because even so i was on tiktok this morning and it was the berry girls the berry hive i don't know if people have looked at her but she's freaking awesome yeah but she was talking about diet culture today and she's like guys it literally the first three letters Mm d-i-e no we shouldn't even be thinking about it we shouldn't be dealing with it i don't like d-i-e i I was like oh my god that's a great way to look at it it's like it's not a die like you don't want to die so like Do it the right ways for yourself. Like figure it out because like I like different foods than Kelly does. So like we just need to figure out what you like and enjoy and do those things. Because the same thing with working out Mm -hmm. and doing movement, you have to just find what you thoroughly actually enjoy. Yeah,
1: because if it's torture to get up and go to the gym every day, you're not going to that's not the right place for you to be because you're not only stressing about going, but you have a lot of like built up. Like I don't want to do this mm-hmm. and then you're stressing out and then you have to go and then it's just not a fun experience. But if you make it something that you enjoy and like doing, it makes it a lot easier it does. and you're not stressing beforehand. Yeah. That, that, that whole
0: anxiety before mm-hmm. is yeah. like it's gone because you're doing what you actually like to do. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. for sure.
2: Pays
1: into it as well because
2: if you're then not feeling stressed out about the exercise or the activity you're going to go and do that's not impacting your ability to be consistent with your nutrition mm-hmm. because again if you're it's if stress is a trigger for you with binge eating Mm -hmm. and now you're stressed about going to the gym because you don't want to do it you're triggering the binge eating which you then have to handle that so now you're just adding all these things to your like mental load Mm -hmm. whereas if you just said you know what I hate the gym and I don't enjoy it and I'm not going to go and instead I'm going to go do something else I love swimming so I'm going to swim twice a week instead and now you're excited about swimming and you enjoy doing it so not only have you found something you like that's keeping you active and you're not going through that mental will I go will I not go Mm -hmm. you're then not triggering the stress in yourself which triggers the binge eating which you then have to manage as well Mm -hmm. so I think listening to you and doing what you want to do has this kind of knock-on effect as well that we often don't think about how that's impacting things
1: yeah I think that sometimes it's it's hard especially in the beginning to have all of these things coming at you that you're trying to like do you're trying to figure out your nutrition how much you can eat what exercises you can do and then so it's it became it can become very overwhelming easily. Yes. So if you stick with the things that you like, it's less overwhelming. Correct. So like if you have a list of foods, these are some foods that I really enjoy eating. Okay. Mm-hmm. So stick with those because you know that that's not going to become a stressful situation.
0: Exactly. exactly. And the same thing with
1: exercise. If yep. you find something that you enjoy, it's not going to be as overwhelming as you're starting all of these new things and you're stressed out about all of them. Yeah.
0: Baby steps, do the little things yeah. at, a, at a time. And just you don't stick
1: with what you like.
0: stick with, with what you Unless like. Unless
1: it's chocolate cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then we should probably move that away from that. And then we
0: ha- need to have a conversation. <laughs> yes. yes. Message yes. any of
1: us. Yes, We will exactly. help you out if
0: you're having cake all day long. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so what was the most surprising thing you learned about yourself after surgery? Ooh. Um... Uh, the
2: immediate thing that just, I don't know if this is the most surprising, but the thing that just jumped straight to my mind was I like hiking. Um, which is simply because we went on a hike um, the other day. So it's supposed to be snowing here. Um, it should have been snowing for like the last month and it hasn't been snowing. Um, and we're all disappointed because my husband and kids can't go, we're supposed to be going skiing. So they can't, they're not doing any of that. And so my husband was like, look, there's this really old tree. as like 1300 years old and it's this big hike. So he's like, why don't we go with some of our friends? And I was like, okay, cool. Like that sounds fun. And we did it and I actually enjoyed it. And when we were coming back, we were talking about this hike that we went on, um, back in New Zealand years ago when I was obese. And I, I, I hate is not even a strong enough word to describe how much that experience was just not good. Like I can clearly remember how I felt the emotions. I was, it was just a horrible, horrible experience and we've not done it pretty much since. And so doing it, then I was like, I actually, I liked it. And I liked being in nature. And I liked just, I don't know, the monotony of just walking along and chatting and the kids were having a good time. And it just occurred to me that like, I would not have done this when I was like 260 plus pounds. I just would not have done it. And I wouldn't have had this experience. I wouldn't have had this day, the joy with my children, like bonding with my husband, with our friends. I would have missed, I would have stayed home. I would have been like, no, you guys go. And I would have missed out on that whole experience and everything that comes with it. And I would have missed out on it a lot because there's been a lot of other things that we've done now that I wouldn't have done. So I think probably that.
0: I like it. I like it. Cause that's such a like, it's a non-scale victory it is and it's something that now you enjoy and you actually had a past event that you were really hated yeah and I know what that feels like because there's a beach incident that I fucking really hate yeah so I get it because now I can walk on the beach all I want but before it was like we got to take some breaks yeah I'm sweating I'm getting angry Yep. (laughs) everyone's waiting on me (laughs) I'm getting so mad yeah so it's like it's such a good win to have and you can look back on yeah because I can keep you going when you're having down days cuz mm-hmm. we all have yeah. those mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah yeah
1: is there anything else you'd like to add before we hop off
0: yeah
2: um no, i don't know i just i hope that it's like helpful i know it was helpful for me when i was going through everything to just listen to other people's stories and experiences and that dissecting of being like okay well they tried this so i'm gonna try it not that they did it this way and it worked for them so it must work for me but like oh i haven't tried this before you know like maybe someone will hear the shower visualization thing yeah. and give it a go and be like this is amazing and it makes them feel great and someone else might try and be like this is ridiculous like <laughs>
0: well, i'm gonna try it and i'm gonna let you know
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's really nice to just be able to connect more with people. Like, um, yeah, we've been, I don't think we said on the podcast, we've been traveling for the last like three and a bit years. So I haven't actually spent all that much time around people who have had bariatric surgery, like other than the people that I've worked with on like more of a professional level. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to just chat with people and meet like friends and stuff and hear how everybody else is going. And just that normalization of, you know, even though I've, you know, done, you could look at it on paper and go, yeah, I've done exceptionally well. Like I lost hundred percent of my excess body fat and all of that. And it is good, but you're always, well, I'm always going to, to an extent need to think about these things. Like I, I'm always going to be thinking like, am I regulating my emotions well? Like, am I eating this because I'm trying to, because I'm like using food as a coping mechanism or am I just craving something and I'm feeling okay about it? Like I'm always having to do that constant check in. And I think just knowing that like that is normal. And when you've been someone who's had food addiction or, you know, binge and restrict eating disorder, anything like that, there's a decent chance that it is always for the rest of your life going to be something that you need to work on. And I think if I could, I guess, tell listeners one thing, it would be, to accept that like accept that there isn't an end point mm-hmm. you're not going to get to a point where you're like oh I'm done now like you're always going to need to be mindful of these things but you can set your life up in a way that makes that easy but I think once I accepted that I'm always going to need to consider these things and became okay with that that that's just who I am and that's just part of my life I then wasn't so worried or stressed about that in itself, I wasn't trying to reach this goal. that was just unobtainable. I'm just like, right. I'm just living my life, making the best decision I can in the moment, being as happy as I possibly can be. And that's what I think for me, success after bariatric surgery has become.
0: I like it. That's a good story. I love it. I love it. Well, we appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. Is there anything that you want to, um, what's the word for it? Hmm. Plug. Like, do you have like, like your Instagram handle? Like, do you have any books or do you have anything that you like to tell people to go look at?
2: Yeah, so I have my Instagram, which is just my name, underscore Laura Ballantyne, um, where I'm posting, yeah, a whole bunch of just information and things like that I work on with clients and little snippets and stuff. I also have a bariatric surgery course that I created, so it's um, a 12-week course that breaks down all of the sections, as I mentioned. Um, a lot of it's fact-based, so just understanding like weight fluctuations, different things that happen within your body, coping mechanisms in those three areas of um, nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Okay. Um, yeah. So no, it's just something that I think, um, and I've heard you guys talk about this on podcast as well, that kind of missing that, like there's not as much support mm-hmm. after surgery. Um, and so that's something that, yeah, I really enjoyed making. And so that's obviously available as well.
1: Yay. Awesome. And we'll have all that linked below for yes. all the listeners and viewers, depending on what you're doing, what you're doing. That's
0: right. Cause if you're on YouTube, you see us. And if you're not on YouTube, go over to YouTube, hit subscribe <laughs> and that damn bell. Yes. And then you get to see us every week on Tuesday. You get a new episode. Yes. yes. And don't
1: forget, we are going to be in Brooklyn. So if yeah. you're near the area, go over to com, sign up for the newsletters, get your free ebook, and then get your ticket to Brooklyn.
0: That's right. The Brooklyn go Show. now,
1: man. Yes. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Laura, again, for being on and sharing your story. It was awesome.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. It was lovely to meet you both and have a chat. Yes.
1: All right. And we love you guys and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey listeners, if you enjoyed your time with us, please rate, review and subscribe on any platform you get your podcasts. And don't forget to go over to patreon.com forward slash OSLP for all your support needs.
0: That's right. And we even have our own website to so go over to Podcast.com, sign up for our newsletter, get that free ebook, and then don't forget to get your merch. And also we're on YouTube guys. So type in our name, hit that bell and hit subscribe, and you're going to see our lovely faces every single Tuesday. So thank you for listening to Podcast where we are breaking that stigma one episode at a time.